Just a minute. I'm coming. FBI, open up! Just a minute. Hello, everybody. This is Legal Man. Welcome to the show. It's going to be a good episode. I'm going to talk about this supposed Trump Colorado ballot issue and the case, the Colorado Supreme Court, and show people once again that the con cons out in media are scammers who distract you from issues that really matter. And for people who don't know me, I'm a lawyer. I've practiced for more than 30 years. I'm America's most trusted and beloved lawyer because I tell people the truth. And the truth is, I was a constitutional conservative and I believed all the same stupid crap that those grifters out in media push. For years and years and years, I believed it. And then about 25 years ago, I got the internet. And in fairly short order, I figured out that it was a con job. It was a grift to keep me on a tax-paying plantation. And when I figured that out, I became self-certified as a master practitioner. And I don't need constitutional conservatives anymore because I know they're full of crap. I've also given myself a Lifetime Achievement Award for all the incredible work I've done on these hundreds and hundreds of podcasts teaching people the truth. And when the movie Jones Plantation movie came out, I play Mr. Jones. I awarded myself the Presidential Medal of Freedom for the incredible work I did as Mr. Jones and helping on that script. (laughs) And I like making fun of these kinds of credentials and awards because credentialing is a great control system that the government uses to make sure that you have to learn and regurgitate all of the officialdom. And as soon as you deviate, they simply take your license, registration, certification away and destroy your business or profession. So I like to make up all these fake awards and credentials in order to mock that system so people can catch on. I hope people do it for themselves, too. All right, enough about that. Let's go ahead and get this show going. So I want to make a show about this latest ruling in Colorado that's making such a big deal. Everybody is acting like it's some crisis for democracy. (laughs) It's all being framed up in the same way that democracy's at risk, instead of taking the opportunity to show the people all the different fraud that's going on and the complete impossibility of a system like this ever working, everybody just maintains this same thing about how if you take them off the ballot, you're not letting the voters decide. And It's true that it's an open joke. And that now even the California lieutenant governor is talking about how they have to take a close look at this, close look at this decision. I mean, when the Colorado Supreme Court determines that the president is an insurrectionist and he can't be on the ballot, well, maybe they need to take him off California too. It's <laughs> uh, What I want to do is discuss the opinion a little bit and discuss mostly the stuff that they're not talking about that is not being discussed, both from in the opinion itself, which is all that matters, and from the structural setup of this ludicrous concept of having these courts make rulings in these ways that simply can go either way. They aren't real law. It's all made up. See, it's all just totally and completely made up. And the first thing I want to talk about is I want to ask people, why is it you think that this is the first we're hearing about it? Why didn't we hear about this at the district court and the appellate court when this thing happened? How come that didn't make news? Why did we only hear about it when the Supreme Court of Colorado in a four to three decision ruled? Why? 
And I got to apologize up front because my voice is weak. But why? Why is that? Well, because originally the district court found in favor of Trump, <laughs> found against this ridiculous claim. And the Colorado Supreme Court reversed on a very key point. And does anybody know what it is? No, I doubt it. Why? Because it's not being discussed. Originally, this bogus trial court found that he was definitely an insurrectionist. Well, he definitely fit that. <laughs> but it also determined that the language of the 14th Amendment that was being sought to be used simply did not apply to the president. And therefore, you can't be excluded for that reason, because no matter how you want to interpret insurrection or all the different things, it doesn't matter because that provision didn't apply. And in fact, the majority opinion, and I'm going to read a little from theirs and a little from the dissent, made it clear when it talked about this. And I didn't read the whole thing because it's 133 pages. <laughs> I'm not going to read 133 pages of bullshit, but I am providing it to people in a searchable fashion. And that's what I use. So I just put an insurrection and then I just went down and looked through a bunch of different places where that was discussed. And that was what I was kind of interested in. And this one pops up around page 75 when the Holy Supreme Court of Colorado is finding that it does apply. The language in the Constitution, the 14th Amendment does apply, even though the district court found it didn't. Supreme Court in Colorado pulls all these different things to talk about different officers and things like that and determines that therefore it must apply. It simply ignored the fact that the language is clear as day. And I want to first read the language and then read what the Supreme Court said about what the district court said. And here's what it says in the 14th Amendment. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president, or hold any office civil or military under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as any member of any state legislature or as any executive judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability. I don't think it's in any way possible to read that language. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office of civil or military under the United States, et cetera, et cetera. How can you read that to say that it includes the president and vice president? They literally list out state legislators, executives, judicial officers. They list this entire huge list of offices. They only exclude electors of vice presidents and presidents. So clearly Section 3 does not apply. And yet, they found that it did at the Supreme Court, though the district court found it, it simply didn't cover it. And that's why they won. And in fact, the district court found it compelling that an earlier draft of the proposed section listed the presidency, 
but the aversion ultimately passed did not. <laughs> That's straight from the Colorado Supreme Court opinion. <laughs> I mean, if you have an earlier version that lists the presidency and the final version everybody agrees to deletes it out, there is no possible way in any reasonable contract interpretation statutory interpretation, constitutional interpretation, that you can find that they intended the presidency to be included even though they specifically struck the language. <laughs> a little more of what the Colorado Supreme Court said. As a starting point, however, we are mindful that it is always perilous to derive the meaning of an adopted provision from another provision deleted in the drafting process. And the specifics of the change from the earlier draft to what was ultimately passed do not demonstrate an intent to exclude the presidency from the covered offices. <laughs> no, 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 no. When you strike the language saying the presidency will be included in the language, that doesn't mean that you're not intending to include the presidency in the language. No, no, you can never do that. See, this is how disingenuous the process is. This is how absurd the process is. And the idea that language that clear, that used to have direct reference to the presidency and that language is deleted out, can then later be ignored by the court and just say that deleting out that language didn't matter. Well, then I don't understand what's the point of even looking up so-called statutory history and all the other so-called intent of the people. And it's just all out the window, people. Do you see? Do you see how silly that is? And of course, the dissent there's three dissents, and none of them make a big deal about this. They make a big deal about due process, <laughs> which it clearly isn't any due process. But look at what I've tried to tell people again and again and again, that the language, that the game, that the fantasy, that you can just have people writing stuff down like this, four out of seven, agree, three don't. If one person changes their opinion, the entire case doesn't exist. It goes the other way. How can anybody think systems like this can work? How can you have a system where literally the initial draft goes out with the word presidency included, the final draft has it struck, and then the court simply reads the presidency back in? How? <laughs> What's the point of pretending this is a real system? What's the point? I don't get it. See, and th this is the problem that all these things have, is that none of this stuff really makes any sense when you start looking at it. And the interesting part of the dissent, the first dissent, like I said, there's three dissents, but the first dissent raises an issue that's also completely and totally destroys the opinion. And that is that the underlying Colorado statute that permits this review is really only intended to look at things like has the candidate actually lived in the state long enough? Did they raise enough signatures? Are they a proper age? Do they live in the right county? Have they met these procedural requirements and basis substantive things that they have to have in order to say yes to the qualifications? That's the purpose of striking them, not to have some elaborate event go on where you do an analysis of the word insurrection when insurrection is not even defined inside of the constitutional amendment itself that you're attempting to interpret. 
It's not the purpose. And they point to a very clear reason inside the Colorado statute, which is that when these objections are filed, these types of lawsuits, the statute itself requires, requires that the hearing, a definitive hearing, a ruling on the issue be had within five days. <laughs> well, having to have a hearing on an issue that gets first raised five days later, obviously does not anticipate having issues that can have any way be complicated. They have to be a fairly straightforward matter where the evidence is produced, it's clear one way or the other, and a ruling is made. Otherwise, you can't possibly have a five-day requirement. But in this case, was the five-day requirement met? No. <laughs> it was two months before they had the hearing, and the hearing itself lasted for five days. They weren't allowed to call witnesses. <laughs> they couldn't challenge, in effect, the bogus congressional January 6th transcript that was put into the record, which was laughable hearsay. It was just nonsense. It was just people talking about what they'd heard someone else say. The testimony was completely useless, but it's another perfect example of what I've told people over and over. Once you have an official narrative, that's what the courts are going to use. They used it with COVID. They always use it. They will use it for this bogus January 6th stuff. They will. But regardless, it took a five-day hearing. You're supposed to have had a ruling within five days. They waited two months before they could even have a five-day hearing. And the dissent just simply says, look, the statute is clear. You must have it within five days. Well, how does the majority get around that? <laughs> they say it was substantially complied with. They substantially complied with that. Okay, so again, you're right back to the nonsense of the Barnum statements and the ability of these judges to simply make up anything they want. The statute makes it very clear. You must have a definitive hearing within five days. What did they claim the five-day rule was met by? A status conference. A status conference hearing is not in any way definitive. All it does is find out where the parties are and try to figure out how much time they need to get ready, and the judge sets some schedules. That is in no way a substantive hearing on the merits, not even close. But does it matter? No, nah, because the majority just says that we find there was substantial compliance. So you don't have to have it within five days. You can have it whenever you want, and then they just call it substantial compliance. Again, this is the problem that you're dealing with when you're dealing with the law and the way people claim that it gets done in this country. When you go down this road of making up arbitrary rules and then having these star chambers simply make up an opinion that has absolutely no basis in the law, they can just say it's substantial compliance. They can just say that the word presidency, even though it was deleted out specifically from the language, has been included in in some other language. <laughs> it's just, it's lunacy. It's completely ridiculous. And the idea that it can ever work is preposterous. On top of the fact that the concept of what a insurrection is, is completely and totally unclear and nobody knows. And so to say that he's been found guilty in effect, he's been declared to be an insurrectionist is ludicrous on his face again. It's just all ludicrous. Now, will the U.S. Supreme Court rule in favor or against with regards to all of this insurrectionist nonsense? How can we possibly know? 
See, when it's this open to interpretation, how can you know? When you can have language in the 14th Amendment itself that's so clear, where the word president doesn't even appear. <laughs> and still the court can say that, well, yeah, they took it out, but we're putting it back in because they intended to be put it back in, is stupid. But there are issues that are even more important. And that is that, number one, the 14th Amendment was never properly ratified. Why don't constitutional conservatives take the opportunity to argue that? Why don't they? Why isn't that part of this case? It's not a close call. It's not a close call. They were ratified by pulling out the legitimately elected governments in the southern states and placing in military governments to then vote for the ratification of the 14th Amendment. And even doing that, they had multiple other states that withdrew their approval of the amendment when they saw what the government was doing, and therefore they didn't ever have enough votes by the states. And so how did they even get it so-called ratified? Congress passed a law, in effect, an order inside of Congress, ordering the person who's responsible to certify that the amendment has been ratified, that it was ratified, because that person refused to ratify it. He refused to say, yeah, it's been ratified. <laughs> he refused to put his name on it. And so Congress ordered that it, in fact, be deemed ratified. They stepped outside of the obligation again. So right off the bat, the 14th Amendment, in no possible way, is ever valid. And I've made shows about this, and nobody cares about this. I make those shows, and nobody cares. All this due process crap, all this equal protection crap, the incredible amount of abuse that gets heaped on people as a result of the 14th Amendment, obviously nobody cares. Those shows are not popular. It just shows how hopeless the situation is. Then in a situation like this, why don't they raise it? Why don't they talk about it now? Why isn't the government required to come forward and explain itself? And what does the court say about the 14th Amendment's ratification? It's a non-justiciable issue. So the court has found that it's none of its business to look into whether or not the 14th Amendment was ever actually properly ratified. Nope, that's a political question that Congress settled. <laughs> but then the court has every right to tell us everything that's in there and to order us around once that amendment's in there. Do you see how this is a rigged game? And it's never brought up. Why not take the opportunity to educate people about this 14th Amendment problem? Why not? Why not? And on top of the fact that it was never ratified, even if it had been ratified, the language in it makes no sense because the Civil War was never a rebellion or an insurrection. Because those are things that seek to try to take down or get control of the government. And the South was doing neither of those things. The South simply voted to leave. So there was never a rebellion or an insurrection, even inside the 14th Amendment definition. And that's why Congress never bothered to define it. Because if anyone ever attempted to define it, a rebellion or an insurrection, they would all see that the Civil War itself doesn't even fit this absurd narrative. This is all part of the narrative cover-up of the Civil War. Just like the absurd show that went on January 6th with the obviously planted Fed agents operating to do all sorts of stuff and people just milling around at the Capitol building. In no way was that an insurrection. It didn't stop anything. The only reason anything so-called stopped is because Congress ran out. <laughs> There's no evidence that they just stayed, that the people wouldn't have just walked in there, objected, yelled. They're allowed to do that. 
Where does it say that people can't go in and make their voices heard when Congress is in session and doing something they don't like? Where does it say that? There's no evidence at all that those people were in any danger at all. None. There weren't even any guns found. There was nothing. (laughs) So the reason all this insurrection rebellion thing has to be avoided is because the 14th Amendment itself and the definitions in there have to be left vague and ambiguous because if you ever attempted to try to define them and then compare it to what the Civil War was, you'd see they don't fit. Because the South simply voted to leave, left, formed their own government, and was doing their own thing. Then the Union wouldn't let them leave, went down there, insisted they be part. That's not an insurrection. That's not a rebellion. The United States government was free to continue on without those southern states. There was literally no problem created for the United States government. They were free to do whatever they cared to. There was no attempt to interrupt it, to intercede, to do anything. There was no rebellion. There was no insurrection during the Civil War. And that's why they have to be so cagey and never actually define these items, either in the congressional statutes themselves, where they talk about resisting, armed resistance to the government. There was no armed resistance to the government in the Civil War. There wasn't. There was an armed resistance to an invasion of their own countries. Yes, there were. But that's not the same if the United States government had just stayed where it was intended to be in the areas where the people still wanted to be involved with it in those states. There was no attempt at insurrection or rebellion. Every definition of insurrection or rebellion necessarily includes the concept that the people rebelling are attempting to cause a problem for the government. But they weren't. They were trying to be left alone by that government in their own countries. (laughs) So this is the problem with the insurrection rebellion. Do any of the constitutional guys talk anything about it? No. Have you heard anything about it? No, they're never going to raise it because they're there to make sure 100% that the people never catch on to this civil war crap because the federal government engaged in so much criminality during that period. It had absolutely no authority to do any of it. So now you have to hear about how the democracy's put at risk. It's completely ludicrous. And there's another reason that makes absolutely no sense in this. Oh, I can't get to vote for president. There's nothing in the Constitution that permits anybody to vote for the president. Nobody. The states are free to have their electors choose their president however they care to. They literally, and I've done shows about this, they literally could simply play a game of gin. They could play a game of craps. There's absolutely no restriction. The federal government has absolutely no control of it. There's absolutely no constitutional right to vote for the president. So how in the world can we be threatening democracy by not allowing some certain people in certain places to vote for the president on a ballot when (laughs) they don't have any right to vote for any president? Hi, it's Legal Man. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you appreciate the unique insight and information I provide, then go over to my Patreon account for The Quash and become a member. I have bonus shows and material, early access, and it's a good place to meet like-minded people. I have people ask me all the time, what can we do, legal men? (laughs) Well, start by voting with your pocketbook. It's the only vote that really counts. Support things that tell people the truth. Getting people to understand the truth is the only solution we have to this insanity. 
Look, I get it. There are a lot of people who can't afford to support my show with money. But there are a lot of people who can. And if you can and you like the show, you should support it. That's what free markets look like. The people running this scam, they have unlimited funding. I don't have support of that system. In fact, I get harassed because I tell people the truth that they don't want the people to know. So we have to stick together. So go sign up. Now let's get back to the show. There's absolutely no constitutional right to vote for the president. So how in the world can we be threatening democracy by not allowing some certain people in certain places to vote for the president on a ballot when <laughs> they don't have any right to vote for any president? It's all part of covering up the fact that there's the democracy is a fantasy. This entire thing with Trump is just another way of promoting fantasies about voting and democracy and the people being in charge and the dangers and the threats of liberalism and blah, 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 while they all stick together. Why aren't we hearing about these issues? Why isn't the constitutional conservative movement taking advantage of this and telling people the truth about what's going on here? That, of course, it doesn't apply, but it can go to the Supreme Court. And if the Supreme Court says yes, then what happens? Well, then he is an insurrectionist and he is someone that can be excluded from the ballot. <laughs> All they have to do is have a five to four decision. So the only thing that prevents it from happening is the fact that right now there's a so-called conservative court. And who even knows whether or not the court will rule in that favor? I think the legal issues are clear. I've already brought them up. The U.S. Constitution in that section clearly does not apply to the president. And even if it did, the Colorado statute as written is clear as day. And they have to have the hearing and have a substantive ruling within five days. And they waited two months. And that's just, I'm sorry, you can't operate under that and call it substantial compliance and then use that as a system. It doesn't work. You can't have all that. If you can have all of that then why pretend you live under a country with any kind of laws? This is the classic Spooner issue, that these are all secret laws because they're just made up and nobody can know what they're going to be. Do you see that? Do you see how silly all of this is? This is the problem, is that the fundamental issues that need to be talked about when a case like this comes up. And the absurdity of the idea that if three people write down one thing and four people write down another, that therefore the law is now that this four people wrote it down. See, people can't see it because they are so brainwashed about courts and opinions and decisions and sticking to it and the rule of law and democracy and all these absurd ideas. Every single thing in the system makes no sense. Democracy itself is a horrible idea, and our country is not a democracy. It's a republic. You hear it all the time. But now what are you hearing? Oh, now they're going to destroy the democracy. Well, I don't understand. I thought it was a republic. You don't have a right to vote for the president. You got no right to complain about this stupid crap. None. Colorado could simply take away the people's right to vote for the president. They could just take it away. There'd be absolutely nothing you could do about it. Would the conservatives then be upset about that? Would the liberals? <laughs> it's just made up. People would be able to see it much more clearly if we had, say, 100,000 uh, justices sitting on the Colorado Supreme Court and 50,001 voted one way and 49,999 voted the other way. Then they would see what a ludicrous thing this is. But instead, because no one thinks about it and all you ever hear about is the opinion, you read this nonsense and people believe that somehow it makes sense, um, the people can't see it. And the Supreme Court's the same way. 
I've said it many times. You could just have Hunter Biden up there. There's nothing that requires us to have any more than one justice on the Supreme Court. Nothing in the Constitution would prevent that. And nothing would prevent someone like Hunter Biden being that person. So if the Supreme Court was made up of simply Hunter Biden, would anybody take its opinion seriously? Would they? No, they'd all know it was a complete joke, right? Well, you think it's different because Sotomayor is up there? Kagan? <laughs> John Roberts? Oh, Scalia? <laughs> All these people they love so much. Oh, Scalia, this Scalia. I mean, Scalia's dead now, right? So now that we have, oh, now we have to lean on Clarence Thomas. Brilliant, brilliant man. <laughs> these people are all jokers, see? Kavanaugh. These people are extremely low quality. And the idea that they get to sit around in some star chamber and make a decision it just highlights how silly the whole process is. See, but instead of highlighting the absurdities in the process, the impossibilities of this thing ever making any sense, the ludicrously arbitrary nature of all of it, the way the courts are free to ignore whatever they want, they drive it into this democracy thing and due process as do due process is some big deal. You can get your ass handed to you with due process, substantive and procedural. Well, this court found that it was procedural due process to claim that a hearing that took two months later and took five full days was substantially compliant with a requirement in the law, specifically that said you have to have a definitive hearing within five days. So that would have been your so-called due process from this court. So if you're thinking due process is going to save you, it won't. It's all just made up, people. See, it's all made up. This is the problem people can't get because they're not familiar with the law. And they're so used to the fantasies that are spun night and day by con-cons about the holiness of different things and pointing to previous decisions and language. And if you want to read through that decision, it's hilarious. They cite all sorts of different miscellaneous crap to try to explain what an insurrection is, citing these other things, these completely irrelevant kinds of definitions and things like that. But they're all over the board. The dissent has its own positions. None of it makes any sense together, people. This is my point, is that will they uphold this? I don't know. Will California pull him off the ballot? I don't know. Will the U.S. Supreme Court step in? I don't know. I don't know because I don't have tea leaves and there's literally no way to know what they want to do. The only thing they're making sure is that everybody is 100% focused on these issues that don't matter, ignoring the fundamental structural problems with the entire system that I've just gone through again. I've just gone through them again. Now, if you can't understand why a case that's as completely screwed up as this isn't being reported in such a clear-cut fashion as the simple facts I've already provided you, well, it's because you don't understand the way the system actually works. See, the system is not there to give you information. The system is there to drive you into an Overton window and have you arguing about democracy and insurrection and Trump's a bad and we have to save democracy and you have to give people the right to vote for who they want to, blah, 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 completely ignoring all the things that matter. That's the entire purpose of the system. That's it. And I was considering playing some clips from some of these commentators about this, but I'm not going to waste my time or yours 
because if you want to watch some, you can. I've attached a couple, I think, inside the Patreon earlier in my Twitter links I often put in there. And you can watch some of them. It's all exactly what I'm talking about. They'll talk about due process. He has to have an opportunity to present witnesses. Yeah, of course he does need those. He does. But none of those things would actually protect you anyway. You get in front of a crooked judge. It won't protect you. It won't matter. And so the problems have to do with what I've said. The 14th Amendment was never properly ratified. Even if it was ratified, it doesn't define insurrection. And it can't because there was never an insurrection with the so-called Civil War. So the entire... Amendment makes no sense. Certainly, January 6th wasn't an insurrection. There's not even any evidence for it. Congress just ran out. So they ran out. <laughs> well, they're welcome to run out. They run out whenever they want. They stopped the proceeding. The people didn't stop it. There was nobody in there holding them down, not allowing them to vote. Nothing went on. They ran into tunnels like rats. <laughs> they were free to continue to keep their ridiculous charade going. Well, they constitutionally passed power. Was there any doubt at all during that stupid January 6th charade that the congressmen were in any danger? No. I was watching this laughing and now you see all this information that comes out. People are acting like, oh, look at this video. Look at that video. Dude, it was all played live. I watched maybe an hour and a half or two hours of the coverage total that day. I saw all the same stuff that they're showing now that's supposedly so outrageous and proves that there was no insurrection. There were no armed people in there. The government wasn't stopped from doing anything. Nothing happened. <laughs> Nothing happened. And despite all of that, they claim Trump was involved, even though his own words are clear as day. Go up there, peacefully protest, do whatever the hell you want. They could have rushed into the House itself, the chamber, the Senate, and the House. They could have rushed in there, into the audience areas. That's still not an insurrection. They're free to go on and do their stuff. Now, if they rode in there on horses like Andrew Jackson drew swords, okay, yeah, now maybe you got an insurrection, but you don't have anything close to that. You got a guy with a stupid buffalo hat on or something wandering around, being shown around by Capitol Police. See, so none of these real issues can be talked about, and they never are. And this is my point. And I just wanted to make a show about this preposterous case that's come out and show people that the analysis that they're given is just a massive distraction. See, it's just a total distraction from the issues that should be discussed. And the people in constitutional conservative movement are not on the side of freedom. If they were, they would have told you all sorts of things I've told you here today. But they don't tell you any of it. They stick to their scripts. <laughs> they stick to their scripts. And the liberals play along. And they're all very well paid for their troubles. And they all become multi-multi-millionaires. And the people continue to believe in the system, a system they don't understand, not one tiny bit of. So so that's all I want to say about it right now. And I know a lot of people don't give a shit about current events and politics. I get it. But I like to try to use them as a platform to demonstrate the fundamental problems and how they're not discussed. If all it was about was whether Trump was on or not on that stupid Colorado ballot, you think I'd care? No. I don't care about voting. Voting's crap. Voting's never going to change anything. They can just ignore whatever it is you ask them to do anyway. They can run on one thing and then simply not do it, just like they can claim substantial compliance. <laughs> they can just flip and turn. They have no liability, just like the judges have no liability. These judges are free to simply say anything they want in there, make up anything they want, make statements as ridiculous as I've just showed you, and what happens to them? Nothing happens to them. Do they risk anything? No, they don't risk anything. 
Well, how can a system like that ever work where the people who are the so-called decision makers are free to make up anything they want that doesn't withstand any kind of scrutiny? And in fact, three of the people out of the seven are objecting to their findings, and yet they face absolutely no personal consequences for anything they do. Not even a threat of personal consequences, no threat of anything, no threat to their security, no threat to their financial security, no threat to anything. And the system just goes along. Why don't constitutional conservatives and media talk about that? That a system like that could never work. You can never have a system where the people responsible for making decisions have no personal responsibility. <laughs> it can never work. See, it can never, ever work. It doesn't matter how wonderful you think these people are. That can never, ever work. And it's just a fundamental part of our system. And it's there for a reason. It's there because that guarantees that the system can be controlled by people behind the scenes and get those people to do anything they want. Because they don't risk anything. They don't risk anything. So, all right. Well, that's definitely it. I know I said it before it was, but now, now it is all I want to say. <laughs> so thank you to anybody in Patreon who supports my show. I appreciate you guys. I really do. You have a lot of integrity. And the reality is, I would have stopped making a show a long time ago, but for you guys, because I've made hundreds and hundreds of shows and anybody who listens to them will understand the way the legal system works. And now, sure, there is plenty more stuff I can tell people, but I started the show because I couldn't believe what I was seeing during the pandemic, how literally nobody was speaking up and explaining how the government has no authority. This isn't a matter of policy and whether they should do it or shouldn't do it. They don't have any authority to lock people down, to do any of the stuff they were doing. And yet... Of course, the people were never told that. And so that's why I originally started it. And it's been a cathartic event, no different than when I wrote my blog. But the reality is, I've told people a lot of what I care about. And like I said, there's tons more to tell, but I would have stopped a long time ago. So thank you, the people in Patreon, because I appreciate having people around who get it and who want to understand, because... Even though we probably can't do anything about it specifically to change it because we're surrounded by so many fucking complete idiots and brainwashed fools and the CONCON movement is so incredibly well-funded and works so effectively to keep people in the dark, just knowing the truth and understanding it at a personal level helps you to make better choices both in not wasting your time doing things and in understanding in your own personal choices how the system's going to actually work. Those things are very helpful. And so anybody who listens to my show will understand the system. And you'll never get blindsided. You'll never get blindsided because you'll understand the way the system actually works. Now, all the constitutional conservatives the media ever talk about is, like, oh, shocking this and amazing that. I can't believe that this is more unconstitutional than that. The shit is standard operating procedure, guys. Always is. Every day is another critical thing. You're supposed to stay informed in order to understand. It's literally decades and decades and decades of hundreds and hundreds of days in each one of those years where there's supposedly some big event you're supposed to focus on and not one damn thing is ever going to change because of that. It's a waste of time to focus on day-to-day -day news of any sort. It's all lies. That's all. So thank you to people in Patreon. I know uh, that my show has helped a lot of people because a lot of people tell me in Twitter and direct messages and things like that inside here. And I'm glad because I think people do deserve to know the truth. I really do. And if you want to follow me, you can. I'm legal man at U.S. Crime Review on Twitter. Thank you to anybody who supports the movie Jones Plantation. Go to jonesplantationfilm.com and buy the movie. I play Mr. Jones. It's a great movie. It tells 
a fantastic story. It's an allegory about going from chattel slavery to debt slavery and explains the way the system really works. So support that project if you can. I do appreciate it. And beyond that, my voice is a little rough right now, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. You guys have been a great audience as usual. Everybody have a nice night or day wherever you are. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Let's put your hands together one more time for Legal Man. Great show. Thanks so much. Forget to check your shirt on the way out. More quash. More quash. Legal Man.